0: Welcome to Soundcheck Flicks, and we're excited to have Vonvecki in here tonight on our program today. Whenever you're listening, we just appreciate your support and uh, tell your friends about Soundcheck Flicks. We're covering some great films, probably a few you haven't ever seen, like The Holy Mountain. That was probably so far my favorite that's really stuck in my head. But Graham, nice to see you, man. Thank you. You too. You know, we just had a great experience that kind of tied into to filmmaking uh, and and soundtracks. And we got to see Danny Elfman do his yes. little performance where he incorporates a lot of his stuff from, from various television and films. And uh, we should have probably had a mandate to together. I'm sorry we didn't run into each <laughs> other at the show. It uh,
1: seems like I ran into everybody else except you. But. Yeah,
0: that was fun. And, and what a cool experience to get to see him perform. You know,
1: and the thing that it really just blew me away in that show was that it really reiterated to me what a genius Tim Burton is. Like, I know Danny's a composer guy, but I think Tim really brought out the best in Danny for a long time, and then now Danny's just can do any director. But they had that really special relationship between Pee Wee and, like, Edward Scissorhands and Beetlejuice, and just that run where... I I was almost brought to tears in some of those moments during those well, those portions of the show segment. Yeah. The pee wee <laughs> segment. I mean, oh, that was
2: so great. Fun. I mean, were you there? I was there. Yeah, Ellen with uh, Gary Shuffler. Took me. Oh yeah, that's
0: right. I did see you there, didn't <laughs> yeah. I? Gosh, yeah. it's all a blur. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and the Mars. Ad- fantastic. I love when
1: they did the Mars attacks. Yeah. And behind me in the crowd, you could start hearing people ack, going, ack. Ack, 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 ack. It, it was so good. The crowd was into it. They, they they were a little soft on the peewee end of things. I thought they could have gave them a better applause. but.
0: I was just let down, San Diego, that uh, there weren't more of you there because I felt like that should have been a... Anytime the lawn is shut off, it's an yeah. admission of failure. A little like, bit. you know. Still, it's it looked not... crowded. 10,000 we people were. is nothing to laugh at, yeah. but sure. yeah i would have expected as big as oingo boingo is and like you said oingo boingo didn't mean crap to you no, in the Midwest. growing up in the midwest they, they didn't were play a them regional on the thing i mean k-rock yeah. and 91x made them what they were in their performances their traditional halloween shows i mean they were just the band yep. you know um it was great it was a great experience to get to see him because i'd never traveled to see his uh, the nightmare before christmas performances in hollywood but um or the, watch the Coachella performance on YouTube, but such an exciting performance. And, uh, you know, Danny basically leaves the stage, right, during the, the orchestral-type like, soundtrack parts, performances. Yeah. But yeah. we do have to note that it is an amazing thing that San and Elon Rubin is the drummer uh, for Danny Elfman and also plays with Nine Inch Nails, has a rich history, uh, played with that band Lost Prophets that has mm-hmm. some, some bad history because of the singer. But anyway, he's been in a lot of bands and... Uh, Nine Inch Nails and, and Danny Elfman.
2: Elon Rubin, congratulations. Yeah, That's so just he a was day. shredding, too. They were actually showing him a lot on the yeah, screen. Yeah. you know He had a disproportionate amount of screen time. Representing for 619? Yeah, he was It he was, was exciting
0: awesome. and super cool. And, you know, The Locust actually did a remix of a track from his last solo album, which he featured a bunch of songs during his performance. So it's the last thing that Gabe Serbian was involved with. Mm. And technically, The Locust will ever release, I guess. Um it's like a remix of one of the Danny Elfman songs from that. But what a great show. I'm glad we all shared that experience. Yeah, yeah. separately, but we were yeah. all there. And we're not going to talk about any of those movies. We're yeah. talking about the 1980 film Dino De Laurentiis, uh, produced. And, of course, it's Flash Gordon. Uh, Queen did the soundtrack. It's just a, a huge film in, in all of our lives. And I would probably argue um, at that age when that came out, I was definitely a teenager still, um, Princess Aura I, I, just, uh, I, I don't I, I, I could watch that movie over yeah. and over for Princess Aura alone
2: yeah I always say I, I, you know when I saw that film in the theater the first time I, I, I entered the theater a boy but left a man <laughs> <coughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I can I echo that her. same sentiment. Totally, and it was man. Princess Aura. Yeah. It wasn't Dale. No. Right. And Cheers, then, when bro. you know, in the rewatches for this, uh, you kind of realize how badass Princess Aura is. Like, I'm dazzled by how beautifully she is, like all of us are. Sure. But when you're doing these rewatches, you actually realize... She's pretty central to all of the Ming's fall. Like yeah. without her, it doesn't happen. No. Like she's a central, important character. Yeah. So much love to. She brought him down. Yeah.
0: I mean, I hope you've seen this movie. It's something so fun to watch. And uh, thank you for the Blu-ray, where the colors do just pop compared to anything. Yes, uh, this is you the absolutely
1: best Blu-ray you can go by. Like the the costumes, the sets. The colors just pop right off the screen. I've I've never seen anything like it. I've seen this movie so many times, and seeing it on the Blu-ray for the first time this week, I was just, I I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah. It it feels like some old musical, the way those colors used to pop. The old MGM musicals and stuff. Yeah,
0: and that's the sets. I mean, like they say in the Life After Flash documentary, how this technically, they're saying it was one of the last movies at that scale to use real sets. Uh, before the digital thing, the world, it just was changing right. so quickly. So you, they stopped building, doing that. I mean, that's what's so fun about that. I also love the, um, they use a lot of the scale models in, in the film as well. But soundtrack, film, the, the match made in heaven. Um, I well, don't know
1: if it's... Let me say the queen word right there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> is it is it, um, is it a rock opera? It is. It's a rock opera. Absolutely. Okay. So they also say that maybe this is... The first rock opera, but I would argue Tommy, Tommy yeah. Yeah, yeah. might be right. Tommy, are to- they
1: in Tommy? Is anybody from the Who in mm. Tommy? Yeah. See, that's where I feel it's a little bit different than Tommy, because like they're not in the movie. This isn't
2: their yeah. story. Like what about they were Phantom of the Paradise.
1: <laughs> well, very good point. <laughs> or Quadrophenia. Yeah. It's among the first, for
2: yeah. sure. Yeah,
0: for sure, certainly. But sure. nothing like it. I think it's the best representation of. uh Popping off the comic book pages. Sure.
2: Yeah, that was a big thing for me as, as someone who was buying comic books and still buying comic books uh, <laughs> as an adult. Uh, it, it really uh, looked like a 1950s comic book come to life. That was a big attraction for me with that film, you know?
0: By the way, this is Von Evakian, DJ, producer, printer, and promoter. Um, you're doing all kinds of events here at the Casbah. You've been doing uh, a lot of uh, goth-leaning events, I guess yeah. we could say, yeah. right? new
2: wave, goth, all that kind of 80s stuff yeah. that I grew up listening to. Sure, sure. We, yep. You too. Yeah, you know. I mean,
0: I, we share, both of us share, we've known each other for years, we've been mm-hmm. part of the same world for many, mm-hmm. many years, and share a great experience of watching this town develop since the 80s. Um, and it's... Uh, It's changed a lot. I mean, we shared the the amazing underground rave experience of the 90s.
2: Yeah, and it's all back, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, like we just saw on the news. They're throwing a true underground up in Sorrento Valley. I was still amazed that the the police came, and they have footage of the whole thing, but they they didn't stop the party because they couldn't access it easily. So they said, since nobody's complaining and nobody's hurt, they're just going to let it be. That did not happen in our days. Mm Mm-mm. But welcome to the show.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for it was picking really Flash tough. Gordon. Yeah, it was really tough to pick this film. I, <laughs> uh, I as a cinephile, I, I had like three or four favorite films. Okay, well, so what would those said, be? Uh, well, it, definitely it was a Sophie's Choice thing to get to just one. Uh, Two thousand one Space Odyssey was was uh, sure. uh, right there, and then uh, Wong Kar Wai's film uh, In the Mood for Love, which you, if you know me, you would be, you wouldn't think that would be one of my favorite films, but it's. Uh, beautiful film it's i don't know if you've seen it you a mcgregor no, no. Uh, it's it's a hong kong oh it's a Ooh, fi- hong kong. yeah oh, okay yeah um, beautiful film acted well sounds great it, it checks all the boxes for me you know um, it's like a, it takes place in like hong kong in the 60s okay and it's just weird love film but uh wong Kar-wai is a master filmmaker so it was a, it was a, one of those three
0: I'm looking uh, forward to the challenges. But Flash Gordon
2: makes sense here. Yeah, and, you know.
0: So far, it's been movies I've I've seen or been very aware of. They've been in the Zeitgeist, Holy Mountain, of course, being the first where I'm like, JP, yeah. this is this is a mind trip. I, I, so I'm hoping for a few more of those types of films coming in the future. They're coming, and at some point, you know, because I plan on doing this for the next 15 years, right? All so right. we're gonna start running out <laughs> of movies at some point. You know, we are the Siskel and Ebert of, uh, of the, the alternative bar. rock scene. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, what an amazing film. Of course, Dino De Laurentiis, uh, many of his films were were seminal in our lives as well, I think, as young f- moviegoers. I mean, King Kong, seeing that, you know. Barbarella. That. Barbarella, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: that, well, you know, didn't see that in the day. You know, that's something we get to see later in life, of do course. Do you
1: remember your first
2: experience with flash gordon yeah it played uh at the mira mesa i grew up in mira mesa and it played at the mira mesa cinemas and uh i had a friend that worked there and i was a teenager and he was older a few years older than me and i would just go and like saturday morning and just watch flash gordon a couple times uh i did it many times uh so yeah i, I saw it as a teenager and i loved queen I had the soundtrack on vinyl and it was just uh and just being a kid who was like Obsessively going to little comic con events and buying comic <laughs> books. It, like I said, it looked like Strange Tales and Tales to Astonish and all these cool old books that I was reading, but but on the screen, you know.
0: Is there any other films that have done that well? That really, they don't take themselves too seriously. That had the camp part of it, um, you know, because it was a, it's a campy film. Yeah. Um, but yeah,
2: what other films kind of stand out in that? World yeah I don't know I mean Star Wars I love Star Wars too don't get me wrong but uh yeah so Star Wars kind of serious. serious
0: because Lucas could have gotten this yeah the rights to 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 the he wanted to it. the Flash Gordon right yeah and so how different would that have been and then number two if Sam Jones wouldn't have basically sabotaged the first film and it even didn't do that well yeah. at the box office but that was supposed to be a trilogy yeah. you know how many long years I've been waiting for that question mark at the end of the movie to be answered damn it yeah, And well, watching was... again last night, who's the hand? Is that really it's Clytus. Ming? Clytus. It's yeah. Clytus. Okay. Yeah. But Clytus is dead. He's he's is on he? some
1: spikes, but is he? Is he? Yeah. He's Clytus, man.
0: <laughs> so it's that's comic really books, You know how many times they've killed Superman? You know it's Clytus? It
1: is yeah, Clytus. Yeah, his hand. Yeah. Ming disappeared. It's not Ming. Right. Like, it's Clytus.
2: I he's like still when alive. He's, I
0: like when he sniffs the the scarf. For... Oh, he's kinky, man. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: he does it a
0: couple times. That's <laughs> supposedly... Princess Aura. It's Princess Auras. Yeah. He mentions that in the documentary. Hey, by the way, you want to arm wrestle? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, so yeah, as, as, a, as a super Flash Gordon fan, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, he, uh, It was a Comic-Con party, I'm going to guess, about five years ago maybe, and uh, they were doing a thing at the waterfront, and it was uh, like, come meet Sam Jones from Flash Gordon. He's guest bartending at the waterfront, and it was like an after-Comic-Con event, so... At Comic-Con all day, I'm like, well, I got to go to this, right? Super fan. So I go down there. There he is behind the bar, you know, pouring drinks. And uh, we ended up wrapping out. And he was arm wrestling people. And I was like, well, I got to arm wrestle Flash Gordon, right? When am I ever going yeah. to do that? And, and thankfully, somebody videoed it. So, uh, yeah, I've arm you wrestled sent it to Flash. Me. Thank and you for that. He, he toyed with me he's so strong and just kicked my ass. So it was awesome, though. <laughs> he,
0: I mean, a big part of where he is in his life now is uh, he's an ex-Marine and at 50, he made a big life change, I mean, because obviously he kind of sabotaged his own yeah. uh, film career. But he was at Comic-Con this year. He had a table mm-hmm, had a booth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, it's so hard to engage them there when you know they're, they're, they're kind just of overwhelmed to, and- to make money by the 8x10s and the autographs. And, you know, I could stand there and talk to him. I also didn't approach Sergeant Slaughter, who I saw, because same thing. Kind of intimidating, Sergeant Slaughter. But, you know, I'm not whipping out 50 bucks for a... Photo, so. <laughs> but cool to see him there. Yeah. you know. And again, it, it's a... He's having a comeback, right? Ted yeah. brought him kind of back. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. He mm-hmm. lives locally, right? Yeah, because so, he's traveling yeah. across the border for... Yeah, he goes to TJ to work. For <laughs> security stuff. Like, yeah. Dude, that's, that's crazy. The church stuff was interesting. Uh, his son, in the documentary, of course, uh, being a little bummed about the Ted films was kind of funny. Because that's not my
1: dad. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Sam got it. Yeah, he knew the exactly. joke. He understood yeah, it, and when, exactly. I mean, come on—it was a resurgence for him. It brought the movie back into the you know public realm. Yeah, and it, it's hilarious. I just watched that sequence again this morning on YouTube with Ted and him doing coke, and Mark <laughs> Wahlberg riding him on the rocket cycle, and so it took me a while to realize that Topol
0: was the same guy from Fiddler on the Roof. Mm. Yes. In my adult life, I think I figured out that uh, Zarkov was, was Topol. Yeah, he's and, one of those actors with only one name, right?
2: There's not yeah, too many. Yeah, and
0: right. I had the blessed privilege of seeing him perform the last time he toured with Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, wow. Not that long ago, maybe 10 years ago, but here in San Diego. Nice. And it was super cool. I mean, that, that film, those songs... Uh, are still stuck in my head to this day but it was cool to see him perform but yeah it was weird that i didn't make that connection probably seeing the film for the first yeah as a kid times, i didn't know, you know i didn't
2: understand who max von Sydow was or you know i, I have,
0: mean, have an amazing uh shepherd fairy print of I have one that too. of Ming the merciless on my
2: in my living room uh cool. well a funny story about that uh-huh. um i from what i remember i am sort of the reason why he did that print oh yeah because when he lived here, uh, he would always be at my shop because yep. we, were, we were printing his wheat paste posters that he sure. would do on wheat paste. I still have a, some. And uh, somehow the subject got on <clears throat> movie bad guys or something, right? And, of course, he was, well, Darth Vader's, you know, the best movie bad guy. And I just started laughing. I'm like, Darth Vader's a punk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Shepard looks at me like, "What are you talking about?" You know, uh, I'm like, "Well, okay, maybe I, he was bad, I guess, but like at the end, he wimped out and became good." You know, sure. like that's not a awesome bad guy. A bad guy is bad the whole time, and and he goes, "Well, then who 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 are we talking about?" And I go, "Dude, Ming the Merciless from Flash Gordon, is an asshole <laughs> from the first frame of the film, like the opening frame, th- during the entire film to the very end." Uh, we can do spoilers here right absolutely yeah. uh, Let her rip. upon his death he laughs like yeah. there's never a moment where he's ever nice he never turns you know, he tortures his own daughter you yeah. know I mean? he's like to me the greatest cinema bad guy right and, so, he, and he looks fabulous and he looks the whole amazing it yeah, looks like anton levey you know yeah, so exactly uh so then Shepherd went and did the the that Ming print wow. and he gave me the first one oh, He nice. brought it to my shop I have because is yours numbered I think so. I have an unnumbered. He signed it, but I have an unnumbered. Oh, okay. He said it was the first one. because this is the first one off the press. Nice. You're the reason why I did this. I want you to have this. So wow. I have it in my office. Yeah.
0: That is an amazing print. Yeah. yeah and that's when Shepard was, you know, all over San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. At his office down by the trolley. Of course, the Casbah
2: has a nice piece in the hallway right there. Yeah. We um, would, uh, we would print, I don't know, three or four or 5,000 at a time. The, uh, the red and black wheat paste ones huh. on that, like thin, thin paper that he would go and do all his
0: things. With. I have the action figure in in the documentary. You see the, the flash action figure sitting yeah. on the table. He's got, I've got that and the Ming. Mm. I love that movie. Damn. Yeah. It's like, again, it's like a cartoon come to life that I don't know, since city, there's other films that have kind of done. I mean, Dick Tracy did an interesting job
1: of trying to emulate a little, you know? Yeah. Well, you have this crazy thing going on here. Cause you have a half Italian film crew, with a half British film crew, and it's yeah, being filmed right. in Britain. So you yeah. so half the crew can't speak to the other half because right. they don't know the language. And then, okay, and then you have Lorenzo Semple Jr., who writes this, is a former writer for the Batman TV series. So you know he's bringing the camp, yep, oh, I but know then that. you have then you have Danello Donati doing the production design and the costumes, and he's a Fellini guy. So you just have this mashup of of things coming together in this film. and people couldn't figure out, is this, is this a classy Fellini sci-fi thing, or is this some campy, you know, ripoff of Star Wars? What is this? Right, right. right, So I think that was one of the more interesting things in the filming was that you had this clash of all these things coming together. And then, you know, people weren't even sure they could believe in it. Even Dino had, you know, as we see in the documentary, had moments where he was doubting yeah. things. And wow. And Queen comes in and drops this amazing soundtrack late in the process. Yeah. And Which even was, then, he's, oh, I don't know. Weren't they originally
2: trying to get Pink Floyd or something? Yeah. Pink Floyd, yeah. yes.
1: Mm, that oh, been cool I too. didn't know who Queen was. What Dino about did? that? Did, that would have been pretty awesome, too. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you think of that? Let's let's do the sliding doors. Is that, is that a fun one? Oh, that would be great.
0: I bet if you, you sync up Dark Side <laughs> of the
1: Moon. You
0: know? <laughs> We're not doing it. We already did it with Holy Mountain. <laughs> exactly you can sync up anything but, but it just is so at... visually stunning both of, absolutely both those
1: films i mean that's what i love about the holy mountain and we got to talk about we have to talk about Danilo donati because i mean he was he was fellini's guy he would already won two academy awards for costumes before he ever got to flash so no one should be surprised that the, the shit looks amazing like um he had won for romeo and juliet and for fellini's casanova so he'd already been just deep in the and the Oscar wins by the time you yeah. got to Flash Gordon.
2: So um Yeah, the costumes on like all the, the maids were uh, amazing. The uh, the the
1: scene when they're first coming in when Flash and Zarkoff and, and, and Dale are first being brought in and everybody's paying their tribute to me. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's the most eye popping scene in the movie to yeah. me. Because that's where you have all those costumes. Yeah. Everybody from all the different, you know, moons are there to represent themselves. Yeah. And everybody, even the little dudes, the little tiny dudes in the square costumes look cool. Like, yeah. Right. As dorky as it seemed at the time, I, in retrospect, I think it looks great. It the looks like guys, Metropolis.
2: It's like Art Deco. Yes, yeah. You
1: know.
0: The little Lamar's. guys remind me of the, the guards in, in uh, Alice in Wonderland. The deck of card guys that are, they kind of have that. They look like cards to me. The little, the, but I don't know what the hell they're wearing. That's what's so fantastic about it.
1: Okay, so the bond relationship here. Oh, How that's crazy right. is this? Yeah, that's right. So I kept saying, even in the Flash documentary, the Life After Flash documentary, which is available on Crackle right now. Yeah. I, we all recommend it if you're a Flash fan. It's on a few pre-streaming Yeah, If you can find Life After Flash. That's the first one that comes up. Yeah, if you could find Life After Flash, watch worth it. worth watching. Are there commercials
0: if you watch it on Crackle?
1: Yes. Okay. Because yeah. I watch it on Tubi. <laughs> mm. I got commercials.
0: It's All a great right. companion free. piece
1: uh, yeah. if you're a fan of this film.
0: I wish they had. It's interesting. What Comic Con are they at? It's not here. It's at it, San
1: Antonio. San oh, yeah. Antonio.
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, it was cool. The documentary is really interesting because they captured a lot of actors at the con talking. Well, about there's that the other. Film. Yeah, is that
2: the Dale Con that they're doing? That was like a Flash Gordon specific con. Did you notice that? I did notice that on the wall, and you know, I didn't put it together until you just said it right. Yeah, now. it was a. It was a like a flat. I don't know why it's called well why would they would call it dale con but yeah yeah, it it seemed like they were at a flash gordon specific yeah event also in england i think yeah it was and
1: and being that it's england i think that's where the bond thing comes in because they filmed a lot of those there too and sure so in that documentary they're saying there's three or four people here and of course timothy dalton was bond himself Mm. yeah but if you go online and start researching it's somewhere between 13 and 20 people on this film Mm. We're in Bond films, like uh, it's a
2: lot. Like the Hawkman
1: or the extra guys, those sure. guys, yeah, yeah, and Robbie that. Coltrane hiding. Yeah, he's the guy in the uh, airport uh, that you know gets gets him on the plane or whatever. He's in a small part there, but yeah, it's a lot of those in it. Do you have a favorite scene in the movie?
2: Well, I mean, come on, he, uh, <laughs> we're talking about the, the torture scene when uh, <laughs> Ming's daughter's <laughs> being tortured by Clytus. and
0: not the boar worm. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, that's amazing. I wanted to see what the bore. We never get to see what a bore yeah, was. I can imagine like. it's like the worm. What isn't there one on Star Trek? Similar <laughs> <other> thing. <laughs> yeah, on Star yeah, Trek Two. Yeah. Too? yeah. The, they put that worm in in. Uh, is it Chekhov's ear, right? Uh, oh.
1: I was impressed with the like whatever Neosporne or whatever they have there on Mongo, because she gets whipped and she's got all those marks across her back. And then when you see her in the final scene, and you know she's the Ming's gone and she's the new queen, she's wearing an open back dress, no scars. No scars, no scars at all. Aloe vera, right yeah. I was great. fascinated oh in
0: that scene when, um, and I was tripped on that scene a little bit. Like, is that really her father when he kind of appears as a hologram? Right.
1: You Which think is, you think Clyda set her up?
0: It was like, is that really him? Technically, you know. But we kind of get the answer a little bit later. But he's merciless. He's mm-hmm. merciless. Yeah. Even with his
1: own daughter. Yeah, of course. That that
0: like you
2: said. I mean, is there you know anybody more evil? No, uh, if you uh, if you're a, a fan of the the film or any film, if you go to IMDb, this is a fun thing to do. Uh, as you scroll past, like the cast and the inf- information and on stuff on IMDb on on a certain film, they have a section called Goofs, and you can follow along with like continuity errors and just mistakes that are made in the film. So they they do it with almost any film. And I remember watching Flash Gordon and looking for those mistakes, whether it's like. Uh, a shadow of a cameraman or or a boom mic guy's foot is in this one scene or maybe like a a, a slash to the face is on the left side and then the next <laughs> scene it's on the now it's on the right side or whatever it, they kind of cleaned all those up in the uh in the blu-ray but one that they really couldn't get rid of is in the very beginning when uh Ming is with Clytus and Clytus is telling him oh, we've got this planet for you to fuck with, you know? And, and he goes, oh, what is it? Oh, it's this planet called Earth, you know? Ugh. And, it, Ugh. Yeah, and, and uh, so he decides to, like, wreak havoc on this planet. He just found out it's called Earth. But yet, when he, on his control panel, he has earthquake. Right? He, he starts, like, throwing, <laughs> like, hail and tsunamis and, you know, hurricanes. But one of them was earthquake. And I'm like, well, you, are, you, had, earth, you had an earthquake button. But you <laughs> he never just, heard
1: Earth.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, my favorite button of all
0: of them. Hot hail? hot hail. It's hot hail. Isn't yeah. that just a meteor? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What the hell is
1: hot hail? Right. Well, essentially, yes, because his ray is dragging the moon out of its orbit. Right. And so pieces of the moon are flipping off sure. and flying into our atmosphere. Yeah. So essentially that is
2: what, it, what it's it a is. meteor. I mean from the moon. From the moon. And thank God for Zarkov, right? Like he was the only guy who knew what was happening, built that ship. Everyone thought he was a lunatic. Yeah. Right? But he did was his, actually Did right. his
1: assistant get killed? Yeah, he gets smushed
2: yeah. by uh, the. I wasn't <laughs> sure. I saw
1: him dive at the last second, but they never really yeah, go I'm after him. I'm pretty sure they insinuate that he, <laughs> he gets got ran s- over by
2: smushed. Flash. That's what you get for not, you know, uh, that's go collateral Flash, damage. Go. Yeah, you know, he could have been in the ship. Could have been saving the <laughs> planet. You know, I don't think things would have turned out the same if that guy went right instead of Flash.
0: No, right? yeah, he would have been like the red shirt guy in Star Trek. He probably would have been killed. You know? Well, totally. then
1: they, you know, the space ambient sex would have been a little weird. Like that whole part where they're in the flash and Dale are like feeling all over each other and the music's playing and it's like ambient sex you're like what's yeah. going on here and
0: I like that scene in the framing when Ming when they first come in and Ming is like mind controlling Dale mm. and you see him with his hand oh yeah
2: he's feeling her you up. know
0: and he's kind of feeling her but he's she, being
2: inappropriate she's,
0: in, she's yeah. in his hand you know like at the distance but it's just the shot it was like wow well, she was
1: a- giving every guy in the room a chubby I mean
0: <laughs> it's funny because you know she's not Gorgeous, but she's a girl next door, and it's very similar to Princess Leia. I felt like you know mm. Carrie Fisher. She's you know, it's kind of like that. They're girl next door. They're it's not true. like the girl next door. Not beautiful. Like, not like Melody Princess
1: Anderson is a very attractive. But not like, woman. Princess yeah, yeah. like
0: Princess Aura. Like Princess Aura is like yes, yeah, next crap. level. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. But well, it's funny to see her. She looks. She looks great in the documentary.
1: I was mm-hmm. like, holy yes.
2: crap! Look at her. She's yeah, beautiful. She looks the same, yeah.
1: Well, Princess Aura Ornella Nella Muti. She was. I mean, she was on most beautiful woman in the world lists for a while so you know she's bringing that to the table yeah let's talk about princess aura
2: let's just do yeah, some yeah, more well. <laughs> since we're also oh, yeah. in love with her
1: so here's a theory so here's something i noticed throughout the film so she comes in she's immediately in love with flash and dale's obviously her competition but i mean come on they've barely known each other they met each other on the plane before the rocket ship ride yeah so
2: She's well, he fall- met her in the hotel the night before, That's I remember? True. True. Yeah. true. They had
0: one that. other And when small you go meeting. through a plane crash together or yeah. all that stuff, you it, know, bonds rockets, it bonds humans. It does. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so she develops a thing for Flash, and Flash does his football fight. Ming sentence, sentences him to death, and Dale's going to be my bride to be. And he goes to the gas chamber. He's supposed to die right there. Who saves him? The doctor, Princess Aura. Through sleeping with the
0: right. doctor. Right. <laughs> she
1: hooked up with the doctor to save Flash, but hey, you know, she's and got her those dad, skills.
0: Ming calls her out about the doctor. Sure. He says something about them traveling together somewhere. She used her
1: wily charms to save Flash. So why Flash? wasn't he
0: thinking that maybe, you know, So if she doesn't, she's in the palm of her hand. If she doesn't save hand. Flash
1: right there, the movie's over right there 30 minutes into oh, it. Oh, for sure, yeah. So she's that important. She yeah. ferries him away to Prince Baron, and then Prince Baron does his thing for a while, and then here's my favorite one with Princess Aura. She takes the whippings and everything.
2: She takes the torture from her own family, and then and what she, is Ming eat, while while he, there, she's being tortured, Ming is <laughs> eating something out of like a, this goblet. It's like I'm assuming it's like grapes or nuts or something. But yeah, he's, I've always wanted to know what that was. Because yeah, you can't really, really see what it is. It's Martini. Too far away. <laughs>
1: yeah, watching his daughter getting whipped. Well, he's probably like getting jerk. off on it. He probably totally liked away. that kind of yeah, thing. He's being the merciless. I mean. Yeah, yeah. But my favorite thing with her is she gets thrown in with Dale into the uh, pillow fight room. And she's like, she busts out some poison.
2: And she's like,
1: you know, Dale, put this in Ming's drink and we're going to kill him. Like, she's still on board with the revolution. Yeah. And Dale's, at this point in the film, Dale thinks that Flash has just died on the Flying City. And so she's just like, no, I'm just gonna marry Ming and I'm just gonna rule this place and uh, I'm just gonna be with him and uh, Earth can go fuck itself.
2: <laughs> and She's I'm like, yeah, like, I made
1: a promise and yeah, I'm just gonna keep it. It's like what? <laughs> and Aura's still down for the cause. Yeah. So I'm like, look, I know you did it's a great Ming. He Ming. I know Dale control. did a great one-hand spring when she was shooting down those red guard things. Oh yeah, things. yeah. That's right. One-hand handspring or whatever. That was pretty great. Yeah. But like outside of that, I'm like. Aura's more down for
2: the cause than Dale even is. Yeah, she was going to kill her own dad. She was. She told her to mix it in with his Viagra, right? Yes. Because <laughs> he takes like a, what did she say? He takes a power potion before his wedding night or what something. What are you supposed to
0: do? She's come here from another planet. She's scared. She doesn't know. Her her hero's dead. She's, you know, what mm, do you, true. you yeah, just yeah, gotta she's got to go dead. with the flow. I mean, at that point. She, she well, gave in, Ming. though. <laughs> if Earth
1: was in her hands, we'd be fucked. Princess <laughs> like, Leia wouldn't have done that. Thank God for she Princess Aura. Yeah, she well, saved the day, kind of. Ming's
0: still out there personally. I think he's doing the global warming. He's just on a slower <laughs> roll now. He's not dropping the hot
1: hail. Well, they anyway. were supposed to do part two, right? It was supposed to be on Mars, I, apparently. And that supposed was supposed to be a be trilogy. The, yeah, the Mars thing, I did hear about that. Yeah, but
0: but didn't do well. Was,
1: and Sam
2: ruins it. Yeah. Yeah. What what really happened, right? I mean, that's so. It seemed Sam, like he was kind of entitled or yeah. So let's talk about Sam. So like he had a bad like team. He would get right? in
1: fights too.
0: Yeah. There was so, a point where he gets in a bad fight and Dino's like all freaked out that, you know, it's going to affect continuity. He so was,
2: is 100% of his voice dubbed? I don't think it's
1: 100%. I think there's a few scenes in there that still have his voice from what I read. Hmm. But yeah, he was just a young guy. He was in his 20s. He was good looking. He was strong. And he just had, you know, he had that BDE going. And it was his one of his first movies. And he was just throwing his weight around a little bit and he wanted to be paid and he, you know, yeah. he wasn't a paid weekly and that bothered him. And, and so, yeah, uh, I think we were all shocked in that documentary to see that he yeah, failed out of production either. at Christmas time with two weeks left and didn't yeah. do his voice work.
2: Yeah. And they had, and had it, another actor to do his voice. They did a good job. Cause I've watched yep. it my whole life and I had no idea. No yep.
1: idea whatsoever. Yeah. All of it. Yep. But he was getting in a lot of fights during the production and and not only with dino and the crew but with just in general going out in some bar
0: randomly he just had a chip on his shoulder and and it's
1: crazy he was just you know they were looking for like a year trying to find him and dale and they had some of the other guys kind of in mind but those two they were really looking for for a while and certain people just weren't working out and they went with those newbies basically and sam the funny one that cracked me up was I think it was Dino or Dino's mom saw him on the dating game. That was his mom. Yeah, or and was somebody. like, This is your guy. Yeah. Like, this is the guy we need to call in. And it's funny that he got discovered off that. But
0: I read it could have been Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell turned it down, I think, because he let's said just, there wasn't yeah. enough. Let's do some what ifs here. To the character.
1: Yeah, let's do some quick what ifs. So Kurt Russell was possibly Flash. He turns it down because mm. he says it was silly. Right. And he goes and does Escape from New York, which we can't be mad about that. No. I mean, but it is kind of funny that he used that reason to dodge it because he then plays Jack in Big Trouble in Little China, which is also a very wisecracking campy film. Yes. Like on the director possibilities, you had Frederick Fellini, which is who Dino, you know, Delarantis wanted. Right. And, you know, he. He had the same excuse, I think, that Sergio Leone also was in the running. I think they both had the same excuse, which to me was funny, was it's not staying true enough to the Flash Gordon character, which, I, are you serious? Like, I don't even know, you know, I guess. Whatever. Uh, So they both bowed out, and then they had another guy, uh, Nicholas Roge, and I guess he's the guy that did all the pre-production for a year, and then when it came time to film, they just realized he wasn't the guy and brought in Mike Hodges, who was basically known for Get Carter, but wasn't really, you know, didn't have a lot of hits on his resume and didn't after that either. So, uh, Dennis Hopper, possibly. Yeah. Hans Sarkoff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, he was too drug crazed at that moment. He was, and that's why they didn't use him because he was just uninsurable right then. Like, um, what year did Blue Velvet come out? 85. Yeah. He was still a few years away from his comeback. Um, Keith Carradine is being the merciless. No. No. Hmm. I no. can't imagine anyone other than yeah, Max no. there's Kung no Fu. way, no way, um and the fun one, Debbie Harry as Princess Aura, huh? Blonde me. baby, maybe? Woo. Ah, you know, I'm in on Ornella, but <laughs> I did love me some Debbie Harry right then. <laughs> so I'm not gonna say it would have been bad. Yeah, 1980. What was her
0: the, the video video drone? What was the Debbie was Harry's in that, in that? Oh, I don't know. sci-fi? Oh, weird... was she in that? Yeah. The video I I, I
2: like that it it's uh, actors that I didn't know or recognize. Yeah. Because then you could really like get lost in. Yeah. The like, the total thing. Yeah. I didn't know that was. Or well, even so. even Richard O'Brien, one of the you
1: know uh, Barons guys, FICO. He's yeah, it's riffraff. Yeah, and yeah, from, from Rocky yeah, Horror Picture yeah, yeah. Show, and you just don't even realize no. it you know, until you kind of look at him a few times. You're like, wait a minute, that's that guy. And I love how they said that uh, Timothy Dalton probably
0: played his part the most serious out of all of the actors. Like, yeah. And watching that, because I watched the documentary first and then watched Splash. Yeah, he's a good and swashbuckler. He's re- guy, Errol Flynn. Right? Er- totally. You know, he, yeah. was, he was
2: doing, yeah. and you see that, like he totally capture that essence. And then you got the opposite kind of personality with Volton, who's like <laughs> funny and whimsical. Brian Blessed is, yeah. is an amazing, he's amazing human being.
0: I want to drink whiskey with that guy so yeah. badly. He's
2: so great in the documentary. It's It's worth hilarious. watching that thing just has, for his part. As
0: Volton, like, Dude, it's just those characters are
1: I love, bigger than life. I love that he, as a child, would play Flash Gordon, and he would always be Volton, and there he was in the movie. Like he was literally born to play that part. Yeah. So he was so excited,
0: and you know they had the all the special effects are done post production. The guns they used had little lights on them, I guess, mm-hmm. that would flash. So then the people doing the animated part of it or whatever could do this. But Brian Blast was doing the pew pews. They had to tell him to stop doing that in the <laughs> scenes because he was doing his own sound effects. <laughs> oh, so he would go pew, pew he go pew-pew as oh, he's shooting. Great. Like, no, we don't need you to do that. That's what the light's for. But, yeah, what a larger-than-life character. I mean, yeah, he's awesome. It's kind of like the Warriors, you know, all the individual little gangs in the Warriors. But um, I want to see more of Ming's world because what we see, at least in that main hall, when everybody's giving... Like, if that's all we get to see, I mean, we don't get to see the... Um, more of the black community is that the well I guess there's several communities you don't visit because I don't know what you call all of
1: well, them. Well, their leader was executed by Ming yeah. immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is Ming racist? I mean, what the hell? Like, yeah, yeah. They're there the only go. black guys in the room. In the, they were like and Mongos they die Wa- instantly. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Mongos Wakanda, and this it, he's <laughs> like. What about well,
0: they fry that lizard man when he's walking through the hall yeah. randomly? They, they, the lizard men weren't liked very much. The lizard men were in the in the swamp cage. Yep, right. And then the jail when they were in the jail or whatever. Yep. Poor uh, lizard
1: men. They learn the hard way that when you come to pay tribute, you got to bring something from Ming. I mean, even if you steal it, you got to bring it. Yeah, Ming doesn't care if you if he bombed you last year. He's Ming the merciless.
2: Right, not merciful, (laughs) merciless. (laughs) Occasionally (laughs) merciful, no. No, never. Merciless. There's never a moment, right, where he's like nice or anything. Yes,
0: because he promises Clytus his daughter. Doesn't that happen?
1: Isn't he after he realizes he has no use for her because she's a traitor?
0: Because he, so that, I mean, but still, he, Clytus was pretty happy with Ming at that moment.
1: (laughs) Huffing panties. Yeah. (laughs) Panty sniffing Clytus.
0: Clytus, that name just, I mean, it just takes me, I think of another word.
2: Yeah, it kind of had a Doctor Doom vibe, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk talk about Peter Wingard. Okay.
1: So that's kind of an interesting one because he was a British sex symbol. Uh, he was on a show called Jason King, where he was uh, wildly popular in Britain. And up until about 74 or so, he's a fashion icon. And when he shows up, thousands of women show up because they love him. And then a little after that, he kind of gets outed a little bit as a gay man. And then his career just goes in the toilet. And if you look at his IMDb, you could see it happen. Wow. Just for like four years, he gets nothing. And then Flash Gordon comes along. And then, then he, you know he has not a lot after that. And it's kind of sad because that was an era when people were being punished for being gay. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, even into the nineties, Rupert Everett, you know, and my best friend's wedding was still hiding it in the mid nineties. And then when he came out a couple years later, his career ended. Yeah. I mean, it was still happening in the nineties. That's a shame. Mike
2: right? Myers says he was the inspiration for the Austin Powers character. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs>
1: nice. His, uh, his Jason King character, maybe. Yeah. Nice yeah that's a sad story i wish it hadn't ended that way for him and you can kind of see in that life after flash documentary that he wears it on him you could see him wearing that baggage like yes. his career should not have ended that way no but he's really given it here and mm-hmm. i love how you know i chance. do think he might have been a bit difficult to work with because sure. he did refuse to do the death scene like he was like my character can't
2: die like this and he's arguing he with wanted the to go back and, for
0: the, the return you know?
2: yeah and, but if you understand comic books just because you die doesn't mean you're done
0: and according to you it guys, that's Superman. his hand at the end of the film, so somehow right. he put his tongue back and his yeah. eyeballs back in his head. <laughs> yeah. He's uh,
2: Yeah. They've killed Superman so many times in the comics and he's still around so. Damn Colitis. <laughs> I love his uh, assistant General Kala. Yeah.
1: She has like just she has some great lines. Yeah. Just the
2: open fire.
1: She's and it, like the dispatch du- War X <laughs> Ajax <laughs> to bring
2: back his body.
1: She has all these great yeah. cool lines like that. And she looks like a dominatrix. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Pretty much. And then when <laughs> Prince Baron kills her at the end, like, her blood is black. Blood is black. Just the blackest uh. of black just pours out of her. And if, if we're going to talk favorite lines here, I mean, come on, we got to talk about our man Voltan. Because he just... Yeah. He, makes, he could just make any line sound interesting. If you haven't heard of Brian Blessed, he plays Prince Voltan of the Hawkmen in this film. And he's... If it's not called Flash Gordon, it should be called Prince of Altair, Yeah, I mean, he's he's a main reason
2: why they were able to yep. over over. Gordon's overcome. alive? If he didn't <laughs> change uh, his mind, right? Flying blind on a rocket cycle?
1: <laughs> I just anything he says, die!
2: Anything he says is amazing. Oh. Yeah, he seems like a fun guy to be with. He's, Who been, wants been, recognized, forever? he's
0: been recognized by British royalty and... The Queen and the family, that's like one of their favorite <laughs> holiday movies when she was still around. I guess that film would be shown every holiday season. I read that and I was fascinated by that. Yeah. We share similar tastes. I yeah. love Me and the
1: Queen. She said to, when she <laughs> met him and she said to him, can you please say the line for the yes. children? <laughs> Gordon's alive? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, He's so great. And he does voice work to this day. No shock there. He's yeah, got right. one of the great he's voices. Great <laughs> yeah. Voice. Yeah. I mean, incredible. And then Max van Sydow uh, wow. as Ming. It's, so it's interesting good. to me that he went from Fellini movies to this, and then he's like... Uh, Exor- he was in The Exorcist. and Yeah, and he was in The Exorcist, and then mm-hmm. this, and then he... And how did he not get an Oscar nomination for that? I don't know, but... So good. Because
0: the respect that film like that got yeah. from the Academy, probably. And then know? down
1: the line, he did get a couple of nominations th- during the rest of his career, but... Uh, this is interesting to me that this is before those. I mean, it's he's a, he's an interesting character. I think he's a terrific actor. I mean, the oh, three-eyed Raven awesome. and Game of Thrones. I yeah, mean, come on, but that that character
0: is just like it's emblazoned on our wall. Like it's just such yeah. an iconic
2: figure and character. And the soundtrack has a pull-out little like mini poster of Ming. Yeah, uh, I I remember hanging on my wall when I was a kid. How
1: She's great was that Italian artwork? That Italian poster that they, you know, in that documentary, yeah. they oh, showed yeah. that it Italian awesome. artist and the one he did. And he's
0: yeah. even commenting, oh, this is 2017, and they must there? have shot it somewhat before that, but he's 15, talking about probably. digital, kind of taking away a lot of the the vibe of, of yeah. this art that they created for these for these
1: movie posters, you know? Yeah. Hand-painted. <laughs> did you ever watch Flesh, Gordon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a porn? Do you watch movies about gladiators, Bobby? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's... Yeah, so 74, there's this uh, X-rated softcore porn that comes out called Flesh Gordon. Nice. I I vaguely remember. I own the DVD. It's pretty terrible. (laughs) Yeah. I think the only reason (laughs) I own it is because it's one of those that... I worked in video for a long time, and and there's just certain ones that go out of print, and you don't know if you're ever going to
2: see it again. Right, right. And that seemed like one of those movies. It did. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw... it. I don't know if I saw it at the Ken, but I'm sure it played... Yeah, they can.
1: That, at was when, that was back in the 70s when pornos could actually play at regular theaters. Yeah. Yeah, like, back in, I
0: mean, downtown San Diego oh, yeah. used to have a bunch of those theaters. Yeah. I lived so downtown. You could probably find a marquee from back in the day with that on. It. I
2: lived downtown when uh, that, was it the Fox? It was a porn theater where the Giardelli's Chocolate is yeah, now. Yeah, it was yeah, a porn yeah. theater. Yeah. And that was in the 90s.
0: Yeah, the Fox is the, the San Diego Civic, or the, the Symphony Hall now. That was that theater but there were other ones on fifth right like there yeah, were a bunch I thought of it them. was called the fox hmm. i started working horton plaza in the 80s but like late 80s early 90s is when there was a little bit of a transformation happening downtown and yeah events at the carnation building you know yeah cool warehouse space yeah i would
2: walk to geraldine and yeah Chile madrid and and i would walk by that theater and it was like a real movie theater like popcorn soda machine yeah. in the front you know guy taking tickets and all that and, but it was there was the, the peep
0: shows. They were, yeah. they were all over. And then I remember Funland, which is across oh, from Horton yeah. Plaza, which is the it's big an arcade, arcade. Right? Yeah, yeah. And you can see photos from like the 40s them. of that place and just nothing but dudes in, in white sailors. I uniform. think I used to go there
2: with Junior. To Funland? Yeah, I think so.
0: Wow. It seemed like a place you could get a lot of things. Yeah. Besides playing arcade yes. games. <laughs> you ball. could find a g- guy
1: named Emperor Wang. <laughs> Something like that. Or Dr. Hans Jerkoff. <laughs> those are the kind of guys you could find down there. <laughs> How could you eat the popcorn down there? Come on, man. That's No way. Oh, man. You couldn't yeah. pay me. That's like Fear Factor shit right oh, there. Oh, God. No. Gross.
0: But back to Flash. Flash Gordon. <laughs> um, God, I just, I, I really wish there could have been a number two, a number three. Why can't there be... Uh, I mean, come on. They could bring some of those people back and we could sam jones later in life i mean there still could be you know it could be 50 years later
1: (laughs) you just have to get the camp right i think that's what it is i think the camp is what makes it so much fun and camp is hard to do these days yeah and be and be good sure it's not easy it's not easy to be barbie what's the movie with
0: willis bruce willis and uh and uh the one that it reminds me a little bit of that no music as much but the the camp and the um Multi pass, multi
2: pass. Oh, uh, yeah. Fifth element. Fifth element, yeah. Great film. Fifth element. To me, that
0: has an element of Flash
2: Gordon in it,
0: you know. And I don't know if there's as much, if any, digital stuff in that. I'd
1: have to rewatch that movie. It's not the opera that Flash Gordon is, Mm -hmm. but it definitely. There's spectacle. Spectacle, kind of the vibe. So you're a, uh, you're a big Star Wars fan? Are you a big Star Wars fan? I am a Star Wars fan. I wouldn't say yeah. big. Okay. You know, well, I've, I've seen all the films. I, I love that I we have, have, any of the toys we have right that yet. moment associated with this, where if George Lucas gets this property, there is no Star Wars. True. Wow. That's mind-blowing, because, I mean, then we he probably wanted get it. the
0: trilogy. Yeah,
1: he was in love with Flash Gordon since he was a kid. He was intent on getting that property, mm. Oh, my God.
0: That's why he created his own serial. Yeah. That's why it feels he, like uh, oh. an old Western, but also like the, the old Flash Gordon. Absolutely.
1: I think this is one of the craziest sliding door moments we've had on this podcast mm-hmm, so far. Because sure. we've got no Star Wars universe right. if he gets Flash of the Gordon.
0: But and then you know what? We probably
1: get 10 Flash Gordon movies. It's <laughs> true. Well, but it's funny enough because now because he did go do Star Wars, Flash Gordon happened. Because they weren't making Flash Gordon. That's how we ended up with Flash Gordon. Right. But then due to the success of Star Wars, Flash Gordon gets sure. greenlit. And then we get Crawl and all these other ones right. come forwards, you know? All those other cheap knockoffs. Space Hunter, you know? I
0: wonder how much money the film, I mean, it obviously was a flop when it came out, but, I mean, hasn't it recouped its no. money and by I, now? You know, I want
1: to push back on that, too. Everybody calls it a flop. This was not a flop. Like, this movie actually made a little bit more than it cost to make. And, right. in, and in Italy and in England, over there, it was a huge hit. Right. The yeah, BBC it had year. it as one of the 100 greatest movies of the 20th century. And I Queen mean, had
0: just come off their their their, their, their biggest album ever, right? I in mean, America,
1: they were coming off the game, right. which, crazy little thing called Love and, you know, we one No One no, Bites the Dust. Oh, yeah, No One Bites the Dust. So they were coming off, getting ready to go into their keyboard phase. And it's right here. This is where we first yeah. hear it. You know, the band that a would not dive. use keyboards before was going hard. Yeah. And it's on this this soundtrack. I mean, and I love this soundtrack. Uh, I might give Highlander a slight nod because I get more of Freddie on that one. Like I love Brian May's Red Special. That guitar tone is just you can't match it. It's unfuckable. Like he's just incredible. But there's not a lot of Freddie on on the Flash soundtrack. He's there. Right. The Princess Aura stuff is really pretty and. And then he's singing the theme song, of course. But on the Highlander soundtrack, he's ripping it all the way through. Like, you're getting Freddy all the way. And Documentary
0: makes it it sound like he was not very uh, there with this whole thing. And really, that's about all he provided was that ethereal song. Yeah. um, With him kind of emoting through his voice. Doing Freddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Freddy my Freddy. uh, My first Moog synthesizer that I ever bought, I found in a pawn shop. It was called the MG1, a little monophonic one and uh i read that they queen used that for some of the sound stuff you know and uh so i was able to like f- emulate door the, there's the scenes where like doors are opening and closing and it's like this weird synth thing and i was able to kind of get close <laughs> to emulating those sounds on my little keyboard and i remember being really stoked on that like nice. you know imagining those guys doing that back then but i still have it i should try and break it out and try and do that again you should. Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do
0: a Flash Gordon night at one of your Let's club nights, right? Let's do
2: it. We show the torture scene at Savage. <laughs> of course That's, you do. Of course, right? That's perfect. <laughs> it's a big
1: hit. What, what was Laura's line about that? Where she was talking about him getting whipped or whatever? Initiation or something like that? Yes, or,
0: yeah. When he's getting... Yeah. I love that. that. I still watch that scene with the with the tree tree men. What do they call the it? Beast. Yeah. So, the woodbeast. The yeah, the woodbeast still freaks me out a little bit. Yes. I think about that back then, and I was tense watching those scenes. Yeah. in the back then, you know. Yeah. And Dalton just plays it so good. He really does. Like he is Errol Flynn uh, for a new generation. You know. And at it that was time. great
1: watching Robert Rodriguez on that documentary talk yeah. about talk about Quentin Tarantino writing his dialogue, taking that scene with the wood-beast where they're sticking their arms in it. Yeah. and adding a much more dialogue i could see tarantino doing that too making the scene like 10 minutes long with yeah. his just dialogue just chewing up and the talking shit to each other <laughs> like that's how he developed his style and that was one of the scenes i thought that was a really fun fact yeah that was cool
0: yeah who did they they had uh, a lot of people in the documentary that were in the film princess or is not in the documentary no, damn bummed me out a little bit yep uh but of course uh flash and dale are are featured and 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 you get to hear some of flash's was me story i mean he was down and out those kids of his sound like they suffered um but he, he would he would ride a bicycle for four hours to go watch his daughter do her gymnastics gymnastics or something and bring her bring her a melted mcdonald's ice m- uh, melted <laughs> Sunday. um and you know he seems like obviously jesus christ is a big part of his life there's a church here in San Diego to, that's featured. So yeah. I guess if you want to go find Sam Jones and find God, you go to that go church, and you, church and you, yeah. might, you might see him there. And
1: uh, he has a beautiful wife. And yeah. You know what? You could kind of tell watching that documentary, she's kind of the rock of the family. Yeah. Like He's the, he's the alpha, but you can tell that the whole thing works because of her. I think her name's Ramona. She seems very cool. Yeah. Like, and then they have three kids. Yeah. All and then seem gr- very cool. And then yeah. His two older ones seem pretty cool too. Yeah. They all
0: seem very well grounded. It's just funny to hear probably his oldest son ripping on the Ted movies. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, you could tell he's
1: super Christian. Yeah, yeah, but he yeah. he was there with him during the dark times. You know, yeah. that oldest they son saw, saw their the dad shit. go through a lot. Yeah, you know? he was there for the Hollywood days in the '80s when he was probably running with those those kids from all those other actors in Hollywood. He was probably yeah. friends with a lot yeah. of them.
0: I mean, his behavior—think of him just being feeling entitled—and I mean, he was a good-looking dude. I mean, you know, you. You rely on that too much and you're not nice to people and, and maybe, uh, you know, a little bit humble, your career ends up like his.
1: <laughs> I guess that's what ran him out of Hollywood. Yeah. Because he was a dick. Yeah, he was difficult to work you with. You know,
0: like, dude, just bite your tongue once in a while and who knows? He, he could have been a great action hero through
1: his career, you know? Like, but I also kind of appreciate that he's a man who knows what he wants. Sure. Like, you know, it's kind of like we had with Tom Laughlin and Billy Jack. Like, he's just a guy... He has a vision for what he wants his life to be. You see him when he goes into these, you know, Comic Cons, and he's like, this sign needs to be here. I'm going to stand right here. This table needs to be here. Like, he's just in charge. Yeah. And I, I kind of like that. I like guys like that, even if, you know, even if I don't agree with his religious aspects of his you life. You think he's a Trumper? Probably. <laughs> Which doesn't relate to the religion. That's so I weird know, that I all know. those Christians are voting for a fraud like that. Yeah. But, uh, I, here's a funny one I had. So... I had this. I wrote this question down on my thing on the rewatch last night no, or the day before yesterday. There's that moment where Prince Baron and I think it's Zarkov are hanging from the wall when they've been caught. Or is it? It's Baron and Zarkov, I believe. And there's on the prison wall, it says, Long live Flash.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Who did that? that? Yeah, yeah.
1: Which one of these guys stand Flash and wrote some graffiti with the hand he didn't have available to write? He wrote it with his feet. Like what's going end, on
0: there? I noticed for the first time that there's also graffiti in the back that says Ming is dead. Oh, really? I oh, never noticed that, that before, Wait, but in that, that ending in? scenes there's a big, you know, after Ming is it's just there all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, so oh, is man. it
1: right after Ming gets yeah. killed?
0: I mean, it's at the whole, I mean at the end that's only a series of seconds minutes and it all of a sudden I see that.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'll have to look for it next I, time I watch it. in the
0: it. back, yeah. I didn't do this and I actually wish I would have in a couple scenes for various reasons that we don't need to get into here. But with the Blu-ray, you can pause a scene and it's like a photo, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's beautiful. Like yeah. Every, every scene. So anyway. Yeah. And
1: it's, I love, it, I love when they, the improvised ending there. Cause you know, they kill Ming. Flash has got the sword in his hand and Dale and Baron run oh, yeah. over and they're being watched by the spy camera. And they're games. like, what are we going to do? How are we going to end this movie? I don't know what the fuck to do. And then Sam Jones just jumps up in the camera and yells. It's perfect. That's so good. That, that right was so improvised. The, like props this. to him. Yeah. And then they go into that really cool end scene that's almost like the the metal scene at the end of New Hope in Star Wars where you get everybody on the stage and everybody's looking rad as fuck in their costumes and, and Princess Aura's still glowing her beauty all over the place. And it's just, it's, it's a wonderful way to end the movie. You hear the music cranking back yep. up and it, it's just a rousing ending. I love it. Yeah. What happens to Mongo, right? And they stay there, right? I, I mean, guess. they're not getting on a ship to go back to Earth. They saved Earth, and then the Hawkmen do their formation, and like, thanks, Flash. You notice they didn't say, thanks, Dale. They must have heard that she
2: wasn't willing to poison me. That's why we were supposed her.
0: to get number two and three. Yeah. The
2: story was not finished. There was more to be told. Well, yeah. in the original 40s one, they go to Mars. I know that. That's so what I we, think
0: that's,
1: was, they were
2: going to go that to Mars. That was the plan, but it yeah. didn't yeah. happen. Strangely,
0: so. the scenes with the Hawkmen, the... Remind me of the Wizard of Oz stuff. Yeah, the monkeys. The, the monkey, the flying Absolutely. monkeys. Yeah. And seeing that documentary, was really cool to see those two nerds that have all the collections mm-hmm. of all the stuff from the... Yep. Just all kinds of stuff, uh, miniatures
2: and uh, costumes. Yeah, and, the guy you know, had the uh, the actual little creature, right? The wood creature. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And didn't one of those... Uh, didn't, didn't Dale mention that one of those... Uh, one of the soldiers that wore, like, the gas mask, the gas went off inside the mask and... He vomited, oh, no, like, no. immediately after. Um, yeah, those All oh, kinds cool. of crazy things probably happen on that film, I, I would imagine. It's a good one. Are we wrapping it up?
1: We are. I are we? So, yeah. Okay. We've hit, we've hit the so, magic hour. So,
0: Von a uh, long time uh, involved in the, in the nighttime uh, music scene, but you have some great stories even of going to Tim Mays' shows in the 80s, taking a, a still camera yeah. to these, fo- these shows, and you have some of those photos you've shared in the past. Have mm-hmm. you ever done a photo show of, of these? I, do you have a collection?
2: I don't... I, I want to. I, um, I, so I, yeah, I, at that time, punk rock was everything to me and I would go every weekend I could to these shows. And there were always these Tim Mays presents things. I didn't know who Tim was, you know? And, uh, he was a
0: mythical creature back then. I didn't
2: didn't know who he was. And so, yeah, uh, um, I would always take this crappy little camera with me by no means am I a photographer, but I had this crappy little one ten camera and, uh, I would, I would go to these shows and get up as close as I could to take pictures. And um, having the camera in hand, people thought I was like a photographer. So they would like help me up. They would like extend uh-huh. their hand to me and help me on the stage. Uh-huh. So then I would get to take photos of these bands on the stage. Wow. Uh, at like Wabash Hall, Carpenter's Hall, uh, the Roller Rink. I forgot the name of the Roller the Rink. Place. Palisades? J- palisades jackie robinson all these places uh california theater california theater so i have some interesting they're not you know like glenn friedman quality photographs by no means but i have very good photos of like dead kennedy's uh gbh uh DRI a lot mostly hardcore right, stuff. right that was my thing so uh, yeah I have all the negatives still they're these really tiny 110 negatives are really tiny I, I don't even know how I can get them reproduced but <laughs> I still have all of it and my mom found all of my photos and all of my negatives in boxes in their garage so wow. I, I have them all so I what I need to do is go to like George's camera or some, someplace and, and have them just print all of I have really good cramps photos at California wow. theater where like Lux is like climbing up the speakers and
0: it's a different time. Nobody had cell phones. So you yeah, know, those, are, yeah. those are moments in time. You know? Yeah. If P. Hicks found that, he'd be like, you know, posting all about it. For sure. It, you know? <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, but when did you get into DJing?
2: Uh, well, I've always been a record collector. I've always loved music and was always buying records. And uh, I owned, I still own a print shop that uh, just happened to be the right place at the right time. I met Todd Zweig. From play school yeah um and he was call, already
0: doing club nights before the raves like, yeah. he hadn't been
2: introduced quite yet i met trevor from club id and and style and it was this was like the birth of of that scene yeah and i just happened to be at the right place at the right time i was actually working at a print shop at the time i didn't own my own shop yet and uh todd came in and, and he goes hey i'm throwing a party will you help me make a flyer and todd and i I was wasn't twenty one yet. I think I was eighteen or nineteen. Uh with scissors and tape and glue we made like a play school flyer and uh I didn't understand what it was, you know, and uh so I became friends with him and then the rave thing kicked off and we were just we, we were the right age also. The, sure. the the rave promoters were young, I was young and and uh It was, I was a willing. fun time. It was a great it was, great it time. was-
0: yeah punk rock in its own way because there was such a big underground element yeah. to what
2: was going on i didn't enjoy the music so much like the techno music but i understood that i was like at the birth of this new thing sure it was like a hate ashbury moment yep. you know i knew this is a new music new genre um there were great bands coming out at the time that i got into like the orb and yeah chemical brothers and Aphex twin and all those kind of things but um uh so anyway i uh was buying records and Todd would come into my shop every week to pick up flyers. And one day he came into my shop and goes, what are you doing tomorrow night? And I go, I don't know, nothing. I, goes, I fired the ambient room DJs. I, I, uh, it might've been Lee Reynolds. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: I think." He's still DJs, <laughs> he's right? He's still a yeah. great DJ. Yeah,
2: he's yeah. a huge inspiration. Good, good friend of mine. And uh, um, he goes, well, I fired the ambient room DJs. Do you want to do it? And I go, I don't know how to do that. And he goes, you just play music for a couple hours, like chill out music, you know? And I had Tangerine Dream records and I had Brian Eno records and Klaus Schultz, you know, I had, I had the right kind of music, you know, to, I was like, all right, I'll do it. So I think I played from midnight to 6am mm. at Romper Room, right, which is uh, on Market Street, yeah. downtown Market Street, an after hours club, two rooms, one room would have uh techno and the other room was like the chill out room. Yeah. And that's kind of where I got my first taste of like uh, weekly, you know, showing up every week with records and. Uh, at that time, yeah, I was playing Aphex. I was buying new music because I was like, "Well, I can't just play weird old retro stuff." There was new ambient music coming out yeah. thanks to the Orb, right? So I was playing Aphex Twin and like Warp Records kind of stuff. So, sure. so did that for a while, and then I just started. Just then, I'm in. You know, once you're in, yeah. you're in, right? And then I started doing gigs, and uh, Junior uh, and I started in the '90s. Uh, uh, against, against what I thought would work uh, a friend of ours dared us to start an 80s night yeah. in the 90s yeah. and you know it's, it's hard to think of now because 80s is so big yeah. and, you know, but in, in the late 90s uh, there was no retro 80s vibe happening the 90s were about the 90s yep. and um, I thought it was a terrible idea I go this is an awful idea no one is going to come to this night and, and uh, my friend did you know Fletcher Yep. yeah it was Fletcher's idea and uh, he goes, no, come on, we'll we'll uh, we'll all have fake names. We'll DJ if it fake names, and if it doesn't go off, no one will even know it was us. And I'm like, all right. So the that was the birth of neon beat, yeah. Which went we ended up doing for 20 years straight. Um, it went off. Was so that you know? started at the
0: Ken Club? It was first? at the Ken
2: Club, yeah. And then
0: Landlord Gyms too.
2: And then we moved it to Landlord Gyms, and then the last 13 years was at Bar Pink.
0: Oh yeah.
2: Um, DJ Junior, the Disco Pump. Yeah, yeah, that's my homie. And uh, yeah, so. We just played the at that time it was like the worst '80s music possible. We sure. just wanted to bum people out, so we played like Tony Basil and Taco, and you know, like the, <laughs> trying to like outdo each other. But it was Q Stacy Q, yeah, those are all songs <laughs> I love now, you know. Yeah, but uh, it, the night went off, you know, and uh, it was like the Ken's biggest night, you know. And uh, now, uh, you know, years later, I became like just like a working class DJ booked at on Broadway downtown. Club. Yeah. I became like a club DJ. Yeah, uh, Bart Blackstone was a big help getting me, teaching me how to really become a real. His DJ. one
0: nation under a groove parties were legendary, and legendary. this is also pre rave. Yeah, mean, we were going to these. Parties. They were warehouse, warehouse parties, parties, which yeah. was very illegal. Reminiscent of something parties. that was like going on in Brooklyn or yeah. in New York, and yeah, but it it was still not techno yet it, no. was, uh, it no, was all he was that playing other James Brown and yeah. funk and yeah. you know they were so much fun
2: yeah I would go and just like stare at him you know until yeah. he finally let me open for him at they would do these parties at this stupid clothing warehouse yeah. downtown upstairs yep and uh Bart asked me to open for him one night and I did and we became friends and I really learned how to I learned the craft of DJing from him you know like as an art form and uh um so I did that for a long time. And then I got to the age where I just started aging out of club gigs. I started losing all my club gigs because it's like a young person. Scene, yeah, yeah. You know, nobody wants to see an old guy in a, you know, nightclub and, um, but the goths, well, that's what happened. <laughs> so uh, I was pretty much down to just one gig. I mean, I went from like 10 to 15 gigs a month to one gig a month. And wow. that was, and that was my own gig with junior, you know, without that, I'd have nothing. And I figured, well, that's just like the life cycle, right? Of Clubbings for young people, you know? Yeah. So I was off on a Saturday night, uh, decided to go to Sabbath to check it out, you know, and, and ran into Linda, the the, Loader, the yeah. c- creator of Sabbath. And she's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, Oh, I'm off on a Saturday night. I don't really DJ that much anymore. I came to hang out and she goes, you should guess DJ here some night. And I'm like, oh, I would love that. So I hung out, saw what they were doing. And then in my opinion, no offense to the, to the DJs, but they were just doing it wrong. In my opinion, they were just not doing it right. Yeah. They weren't, they just, uh, it wasn't like a club experience. They just, they weren't programmed, you know, as a DJ, you understand like yeah. programming, you know, they, they just weren't playing the right tracks, the right versions and mixing properly. And, and I go, well, I'm going to do it totally different, you know? And so she was, yeah, do whatever you want. So I, I was a guest one night and I never left that from that moment on, the, they call me the next day. Like, okay, you're going to be here all the time now. So yeah. I've, I have, I done almost every Sabbath since that first uh, open. Time I, I remember against, I'd
0: never been to numbers or what was that where was they at were numbers, doing it? Yeah, two rooms. But the, yeah. finding the second room because I was in the main room yeah. and I wasn't really enjoying the industrial music they were playing in there's so much. But then there, there you are. It yeah, was I was
2: the right person because I grew up with that music and I understood twelve-inch mixes. I understood, you know. I just I, I understood I went to Stratus yeah I went yeah. to all those clubs right and so I, I legendary
0: I, club and Casadoro those legendary. videos still pop up I'm sure you use clips from
2: we Stratus I have the director's DJ. cut
0: you have the directors yeah cut. <laughs>
2: so that yeah. was a big uh, neon beat video that we used people
0: all place. over the world have seen those clips of that they club see, I, night so I'm and <laughs> it's iconic visuals of a period in time that yeah it's crazy. I
2: fight with people on on Facebook all the time over those yeah. videos because people will show those clips and say that it's like Los Angeles Underground and like yeah. no, F you, that's San Diego. I've been blocked so many times <laughs> cause like no, that's freaking San Diego, you know? But we do have to
0: wrap up. I wanted to find out what currently are you doing? Great history and club culture. Yeah. Uh, but these days you're doing your own promotion, you've partnered with, Javi from, uh, AKA yeah. Javi's been seminal in elevating. I think the, the, sure. the goth and club yeah. scene, yeah. uh, for a lot of people. And I think you've probably helped him with that.
2: Yeah. And Sabbath is a big, a big yep. thing, uh, for me. Uh, I'm, I'm, it Sabbath is Robin Roth's thing. Yeah, that's her. Yeah, Linda gave it to Robin, and yep. that's Robin saying, "She is the Captain Kirk of, yeah. of Sabbath. I am of her Diego. Spock, though. I am Spock. Yeah, nice. uh, uh, that's going off. Uh, I partnered up with Tim Mays here. Tim's yeah. loving these themed uh, party. I've done like I think six. Yeah. Themed uh, parties here. We we've done like a goth beach party. Yeah, That's I tried to think story. of the most ridiculous thing. I'm like, well, goth beach is ridiculous, right? So we turned the Casbah into this yeah. gothic beach, and we we uh That's genius. It, yeah, we we had we showed the monsters go to the beach episode. Yeah. We had the Danzig Portlandia yeah. giant thing. I had printed this life size thing of Danzig from the Portlandia episode where you take pictures with. That was a big hit. Um, yeah, we've done a couple themed parties here, and uh, we have a bunch more planned.
0: Where do people find out about the parties you're involved with?
2: Uh, well, the ones here, Casbah's Instagram and Facebook, sure. I guess. Uh, my own Instagram and Facebook. What is that? Um, Sabbath. Just my name, Vaughn Avakian.
0: Spell your name. People don't know. V, do- I
2: know, it gets butchered well, all the time. Well, it's going to be in the title Yeah, of it, it gets butchered so it all the time. people can spell it.
0: Yeah. Um, if they needed printing services.
2: Uh, same. Uh, uh, just through my Facebook and Instagram. I, I, have, I have a good... Uh, word of mouth clientele I yes, don't really do. advertise that much I barely have a sign on my door but I've been there 30 over 30 years
0: Yeah, I have a great collection of rave flyers which were individual pieces of art from they back in the 90s they are. that uh i know someday i might sell them or something i think there's some value to them because like they are pieces of art
2: yeah let me look through them first before you do that because a lot of them on the back will have so we would just add our phone number back then there was no right there was no websites or there was nothing the only way people could hear of us to do these rave flyers. we at the peak of that we were doing a hundred thousand rave flyers a day six days a week
0: (laughs) six days a week yeah
1: a
2: hundred thousand a day and uh I would just put my phone number on the back of the flyer. So if you look on the back of those flyers, uh-huh. it'll say printed at custom printing services, six one nine the, our phone number would be on there. Is it the same number, Sa- uh, same phone, number. Same phone saw, number. Yeah. And, um,
0: they're pieces of history.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's how we would get work, you know? And- well,
0: thanks for providing, uh, many activities in my nightlife mm. for being a friend yeah. and uh, being a part of this great scene that we love. Graham, anything, you want to add, or?
1: No, I'm catching the next rocket to Phrygia. <laughs> I'm heading to Princess Aura's planet, baby, and I'm not coming back. Jeez. I'm out of here. We I need wish. some
0: female perspective on this film. Jeez, you guys, there's so much testosterone. Princess Aura ruined us. I'm sorry, but. She didn't ruin us. No. She made <laughs> men she of made, us. Yeah, she made us men. <laughs> oh, well, this has been Soundcheck Flicks, and I'm Tim Piles That's Gram Stevens. Uh, and this, Bonavaking, thank you so much again yeah. for everything you do. And, uh. Uh, also, remixes, remixing albums, music, you remix Gary Pierre. I love that remix as well. So. Yeah,
2: Hexa, I did a Hexo one, I did a Fanblood one. I've got uh, I've got a couple more coming out. Some pretty big ones that you'll be surprised to hear.
0: Sweet. Yeah. Thanks for listening and watching. Check us out next week as well. Every Monday we're dropping new ones. At least that's the plan, right, Graham? Yes, sir. All right. Ready Peace to go out. smoke a bowl? Let's do it. See you later.
2: Hey, SCF fans, it's Eric, one of the producers for Soundcheck Flicks, inviting you to check out our next episode, Escape from New York. Tune in to see who the special guest is.